Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hey, hey, Lindsay here. I just wanted to hop on before the episode starts and let you know that Paige and I did this joint episode over Zoom and the audio got a little bit glitchy in some places. We've done the best we could, but I just wanted to apologize in advance. And if you can't hear something or want more clarification on something said in the episode, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at mindfulasamotherpod at gmail.com. Thanks. Hello, and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. These are my favorite episodes where we have both of us here. Say hello, Paige. Hey, everyone. So good to be here again. And we are doing our therapy Q&A or therapist Q&A. We haven't done it in a long time, so I'm sure there will be some really good questions. And Paige, do you have anything else to say before we get into it? Not, not today. I'm excited to do our Q&A because I know that we have some hot questions and we pulled just a few from the people in our Facebook community and also off of our Instagram, Um, but a huge, huge amount of questions in our Facebook community that we have the opportunity to answer a little bit more intimately. So I'm excited. Woohoo. Okay. Do you want to read the first one? Yeah. So this first one, I think is one of my favorite questions because there's this looming belief that as therapists or behavioral health professionals or coaches, whatever we want to say, we aren't people too. (laughs) Like we don't lose it. So this first one was just some solidarity and stories of us losing our cool as parents and how we handled it. Uh, Shameless plug. We have an entire workshop on this. If you're interested or you want to hear all the times that we have gotten upset at our kids yeah that's the check yourself before you write yourself workshop we did back in may right mm-hmm. i think it was may maybe march march not may march <laughs> march it's an m month yeah <laughs> time doesn't exist but what you do need to know is that we are human which means we have a fuse just like every other human in the world and we feel angry we lose our cool So some examples of that are in our check yourself before you wreck yourself, but I'm sure that we have some just this week. Anything come to mind, Lindsay? (laughs) Yeah. So my, my like biggest trigger, um, and it's taken a lot of like therapy and work on myself to recognize that it's like overstimulation is my key to snapping. So when I am mom, 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 a hundred times, or I've answered a question and they keep asking it and I'm trying to do something else or I'm trying to help their sibling, knowing that that's my trigger. um, I've been able to learn what that reaction feels like in my body and what my brain starts to feel like when I'm getting overstimulated. So I can like use a skill or stop um, and take a little break. That being said, I am not perfect. And this happened, I think it was Saturday or Friday. Friday. And I was like, if you guys ask me one more question, I'm going to freak out. And my kids got really big eyes. Like, 
okay, we won't talk to you anymore. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so with something you said, I wanted to ask you, because this is a question that I see a lot on TikTok and in our Instagram is one of the most difficult things to conceptualize. How can we as parents build that awareness of our emotions? Like what's a foundational building block to begin that awareness process? Um, recognizing what it feels like in your body. So, and you do a really good job in the workshop of like breaking this down for people. But when you typically lose your cool, asking yourself like what's happening, what's going on around me. And for me, it's always when we're trying to like rush to do a bunch of things. I have a lot of mental planning going on. Maybe it's like packing to get out the door to do something fun, packing for a camping trip. And, and I know that I have ADHD, so I have no like executive functioning skills. So I'm already like close to the edge at that point. And then any extra sends me over. So being aware, like when, when do I freak out the most? Is it at bedtime? Is it when they're asking me a thousand questions? Is it when they talk back or disrespectful? Or I had a parent tell me the other, the other day that like their biggest trigger is when their kid walks away from them when they're talking to them. And so like recognizing that what that is. And then when you're in that situation again and it happens, what does it feel like in your body? Because then you can say like, oh, I'm getting this feeling. I'm about to react. I'm going to do something different this time. Yeah. How does it feel in your body? What did you recognize? Uh, so for like overstimulation, my brain feels foggy and I feel like I'm trying to do too many things at once, but I'm getting nothing done. And every time I start to do something, so it's like, I can tell my heart's racing. My palms are getting sweaty. And it just feels like my brain is like walking through mud. That is the best description I can come up with. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not a good one, but I, that's how I can describe it. What's it like for you? Uh, you're walking through mud, mud analogy. I'm so visual. It reminded me of those dreams you have when you're like trying to punch somebody, but it feels like you're like punching in water and it's like super slow and it has like all the resistance attached to it. I don't know if I'm the only one that's had those dreams, but I've definitely had dreams of like hitting someone and then it's like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> um, I had an example, actually, there's times when I completely lose it and I regret it. So one for me is definitely a bedtime because by the time bedtime rolls around, I'm already exhausted because I'm an early bed person. Not all my kids are, um, and I'm overstimulated and they just won't listen. And now that the sun is staying up longer, it's a whole other process for bedtime. So shout out to all of us struggling right there. But the other night, Rory is my youngest, was refusing to go to bed. And I feel like I had a thousand things that I needed to get done, which I was waiting to do after bedtime. Cause I'm like, let's the, the live our best life mom this summer, trying to be, trying to be, that's the mom I want to be. Um, and so she just like would not go to bed. I put her to bed and she screamed and cried. She cried for me. I just want you for like an hour. And so I could tell I was getting more and more upset and um, more upset that I wasn't able to get the stuff done that I needed to get done um, that I would normally get done. And also my dogs got in a fight like an hour before that, which set my whole evening off, which was a whole And order. probably your nervous system. Yes. Um, so I was just like trying trying not to get super angry. And so when this has happened in the past, I have gone in there and I have yelled at her 
get in bed right now, right? Like our mom tone, mm-hmm. whatever tone it is, which I'm like, that's so counterproductive. Like, yeah, it releases some emotions for me in the moment, but now, now she's worked up. So the chance of her actually going to sleep now that I've screamed at her is like not very high. And then I'm mad at myself. And nothing's worse <laughs> for me than feeling like my kids go to bed feeling like I'm mad at them. I yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Or them feeling scared, or my kids will bring it up to me again the next day. They're like, mm-hmm. don't yell at me tonight, mom. She said that to me. Don't yell at me, please. Don't yell at me tonight. And I was like, oh my God, regret and guilt. But I let it go. So what I did instead was I did the same thing where I was like becoming aware that I had expectations that weren't going to be met. And I told myself that I had the choice to continue to fight her. Um, to put her in bed or I can accept the circumstances for what they were now. And I kind of did a compromise where I was like, okay, you can come and lay with me on the couch, but it's mom's turn to use the TV because it's mommy time. And she didn't end up going to bed for a while, but she also didn't fight me. While we're talking about the self-awareness piece of things, I think this is one of the hardest steps to develop the awareness because it's so abstract in concept that oftentimes you don't know what triggers you until you already lose it and then having to do the work to backstep. But another tool that came up for me that I use with some of my clients while you were talking is, and this is for educational purposes only, is (laughs) journaling. And I talk about journaling a lot. You don't actually have to write it down, but if you like acknowledge it, make a note in your phone, something like that, but down to sensations of like, hungry and thirsty. If you can start or having to pee is a big one. Cause that's something that as adults, we often ignore because we have a thousand things to do. If you can stop and acknowledge the physical sensations happening within your body, you can start to work towards understanding like the emotion, emotional, not the emotional sensation, but the physical sensations brought on by emotions. So if well, you start with something more concrete. A lot of us are so disconnected from our bodies anyway, that we don't, we can't even register like what feelings feel like in our bodies mm-hmm. because we've been so disconnected for so long. So even starting with those physical things, like eating when you're hungry, peeing, when you have to pee, drinking, when you're thirsty, it can get you back in tune with your body. And once you're in tune with it again, it's easier to notice the feelings too. Yes, so like, if absolutely. you're feeling like I have no idea what this feels like in my body, maybe start with just like, what does hunger feel like to me? And when I'm hungry, I'm going to meet that need because when your body knows you're listening to it, it's like, it talks louder to you. <laughs> like it'll tell you what's going yeah. on. Yes, absolutely. And keep in mind that Lindsay and I are both therapists. So this is something that we had to be trained for years in how to do before we even did our own work, probably like our own healing and connection and awareness. So don't feel like you don't have it right now. You never will. Okay, right. We'll just bring it into awareness. And I still suck at it. Like I still, oh, like for sure. <laughs> 2 PM rolls around and I still have only had an iced coffee, a diet Coke. I've had no water, no protein, no food. No wonder I'm a nightmare. Um, and I'm trying to get kids ready to go to the pool. No wonder I'm impatient with them. Like, come on. So <laughs> right. Our own hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Right. So With that, I just want you to hold on to that disclaimer. And then to pivot this a little bit is you can help build this awareness in your kids the same way by starting to ask them, like, are you hungry? What what does your body say? Is your belly hungry or is it happy? Are you thirsty? Are you cold? And then being able to, to teach them and yourself how to respond to those cues. Yes. And a lot of that too is, um, 
when they're expressing hunger or thirst, even if it's at an inconvenient time, pointing that out and thanking them for listening to their body, because then that positive like reinforcement will register like ding, 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 all these lights go off in their brain. And then they're more aware of like, oh, in the future, I'm going to continue to be more aware of hunger or thirst or having to go potty, all those things. Yes, absolutely. So that kind of leads into our next question a little bit that I think we both hear fairly often. This question is advice on parenting a child with a short fuse. Another phrase I hear often um, or is commonly used to express is they go from zero to a hundred. There is no in between. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to go first or do you want me to? You can go. Oh, I don't, I'm, I'm still compiling my thoughts. I was just thinking I have a few of these kids, um, three yeah. of them to be exact, all of them, but it's different. So like short fuses are very different. So there's like the short fuse of anger and then like the short emotional fuse where, um, and some of them are a little bit connected to like they're emotional, but it comes out as anger. Um, what, what are your first thoughts? So my first thought is as a parent, there are things that we get to be privy to that our kids don't. And this is true of all ages because we are graced with wisdom, right? Youth is wasted on the young, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So we can see things. It's kind of like you're standing on top of a mountain and watching a car drive around and around. And then you can see that there's a break in the road before they can. So you're like, stop, stop, like stop the car. There's a break, like the bridge went out, right? But then they're not gonna listen to you. I hear, I get this with teens all the time. <laughs> it's like the parents are like, look, the bridge is out. You got to stop the car. And the kids are like, metaphorical, of course, the kids are like, I'm going to just keep driving because I can't see the bridge. So the bridge really isn't out. Mm -hmm. Well, so as a parent, there's things that we're privy to. So if you feel like your child is often coming to a point where they're losing their cool, I want you to start to kind of tune into what circumstances are happening before, during, and after that kind of fuse, that fuse is blowing, because there's something in there that's going to tell us or warn us like, this situation right here is going to be a short fuse situation. And if you have a kid who's sensitive biologically to sleep, hunger, thirst, having to pee, those things will affect emotional regulation more than you think. So it may be they're not complaining they're hungry, but it's 3 p.m. and they haven't had a snack. And all of a sudden they're crying at 3 p.m. every day or screaming at everybody. Maybe they need a dang snack or maybe they're overstimulated because they've been, especially during summer, like with their siblings, maybe they need quiet one-on-one -on -one time because it's just too much. So Paige is exactly right. You have to be a little bit of a detective when, and this is why I like working with kids because you get to like be a detective. And that was my real dream job was to solve mysteries. <laughs> so um, like you have to be a detective and say, okay, this is what my child is presenting to me, but what's really going on around it and is something impacting it? Absolutely. And depending on how old your kid is, they are smarter than we give them credit for, meaning that they can become more aware than we realize. So if your kid is old enough to be able to reflect and have that conversation with you, or even I'm going to talk about it again, journal. Um, sometimes I recommend, like if our kid loses their shit and their fuse is blown, right? They've exploded. After the situation has been diffused, opening the conversation of what was happening before this? 
what happened before we lost our cool? Like, what do you think we needed so we could remain calm? Like those types of conversations and helping them build that awareness too of like, okay, what was happening for me right before this happened? And this is like the foundation building blocks of emotional regulation for kids because if they can't recognize um, and we know as adults, we just talked about this, like if we don't have that awareness, we can't help ourselves change behaviors or shift things. They need that as well. It's easier to teach them that I feel like because it hasn't been conditioned out of them like it has us, but they, they still need that. So this is like going back and having that conversation is like the foundation of helping them regulate their emotions in the future. Absolutely. Uh, I often phrase it as setting them up for success. And that's true of younger kids and, you know, all, all kids actually, and even ourselves. So just becoming aware of the circumstances that set us off or set our kids off and being able to control for the things we can control and reflecting on the things that, hey, this happened. And I think in that moment, I really needed a break. I needed some space. Right. Yeah. Okay. Next. All right. Question number three. Tips for strong-willed kids that also become insecure with any kind of attention. With what? Wait, I glitched a little. What kind of attention? Any kind, good or bad. So like we're celebrating them or we are correcting them. Hmm. I think this one too kind of falls into... Um, like rejection sensitivity in a way, mm -hmm. which I don't think a lot of our listeners, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but would you expound on kind of what that is? Yeah. So it's when, um, your brain processes emotional pain, rejection, criticism, almost like physical pain. It is like, and like someone stabbed you in the heart pretty much. So if your teacher says your handwriting sloppy, you take that as I have the worst handwriting in the entire world and it literally hurts and you have a big emotional response to it, even though it's something that some people could just be like, oh, whatever, and brush off. That's where I, I also think, yeah, I think you're right. People with this um, or kids with this sometimes tend to not like the positive attention either because they either don't feel worthy of it or they are worried that someone will then notice the negative things about them. And it hurts so bad when you feel criticized or rejected. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, right? Because even if we have good attention, we're trying to stay under the radar, which is kind of what this sounds like. So a strong-willed kiddo, very passionate, very determined, um, becomes insecure or in a way uncomfortable with a level of attention, whether that's criticism or good attention, we're uncomfortable now because we're being seen more. Uh, yeah, like linked to vulnerability, like it is vulnerable mm -hmm. for someone to see me, right? Or, um, and to compliment me even feels very vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when I'm thinking kind of what we're talking through makes me think of like self-esteem, confidence, growth mindset type work that might be beneficial in this circumstance. Yes, and um, normalizing mistakes and the, and celebrating them in a way that is like just as celebrated as accomplishments. So it kind of like evens the playing field. Like we have, we all have good qualities. We all have things we need to work on. We all are going to mess up every day, but we're also going to have accomplishments every day. And then it doesn't feel as um, 
hurtful or intense when you do make a mistake or when you are criticized. Yeah, like they're all opportunities for growth. Yes. Right, that's what we talk about. And there's a, uh, I'll try to find it to put in the show notes, but there's some really great books for I would say seven and under um, that talk about mistakes and how they are opportunities for learning. Like we're learning something new um, and often having the conversation about we're not going to be good at everything right away. We are, we're practicing. That's what we get to practice because they get to see, you know, people already good at the things that they love. Got to do it right to, or wrong to do it right. Got to do exactly. it wrong to do it right. Yes. One of my favorite things that sounds super cheesy, but I love it, is I have this, this PDF of um, affirmation statements for kids, and it's just in two different columns. And so I read them with the kid out and they get to color in which ones that they think are true about themselves. And we talk through like concrete examples of, of how they displayed that quality or why that quality is true about them. And then this is the really like cheesy art therapy, like part of it is I sew mini pillows before our session together in the shape of hearts. You are like <laughs> I, doing the most as a therapist. I know, but I, it's so cute. So I leave a little opening in this like heart-shaped pillow and then they get to color in these affirmations and we talk about why these affirmations are true about them. And then they cut them out, stuff it in the pillow and then we finish sewing it with like liquid stitch. And then they get to keep this little heart pillow with them and get to take it home. As cute as that is, Paige is the best therapist. If you plan on ever coming to me for therapy, please do not expect me to sew anything for your child. Um, also, Paige, start an Etsy shop. I will buy your almost sewn hearts and then like liquid stitch them together after you found a new calling. <laughs> I love it. Also, for one of my daughters, she's seven now. She's on the cusp of reading and writing. We got the... Um, Oh my gosh, the big life journal for kids. And so it gets to talk about like how you feel today and draw a picture of something good about yourself. And she likes to journal a lot. I don't know, because I talk about journaling all the time and your mom's a counselor, so you really had no options. But um, so she loves to journal. So we did buy that and she'll work through a page or two together. And it's given her a lot of opportunities to have these conversations. So big wreck on that. Not an ad, should be an ad, but not an ad the big yeah. life journal. If you have a kid that I would say seven and up because they need to be either beginning or fairly strong with reading and writing. Okay. All right. We have like a few minutes left before we both got to go to sessions. I know. Okay. Last question. Let's see. I feel like I'm losing touch with my teenagers. We're arguing more. There's more talking back. We're not spending as much time together as I would like. What do I do? Oh, teenagers are so hard. I'm dreading this phase with my kids listening to this question. Um, I would start with meeting them where they're at. So it's as simple as like, you're driving them to a friend's house, letting them pick the, the music in the car or like the song in the car, finding any way to connect with them on something that they like. If they want to go see a certain movie, maybe taking them to see it. If they like to play certain video games, playing it with them. Um, Any way to build that connection and foundation so you feel like they are still connected to you, I think is the Mm -hmm. first step. What do you think? 
I would say relationship first too, always. And I think this can be hard too, especially if you adopted, adopted a gentle parenting approach later in your kiddo's life. So you haven't had the chance to set the foundations. I would prioritize relationship almost over anything. And you need to understand that developmentally teens are in a place where they're pushing for more independence. And so being cautious of that too, meeting them where they're at to build that relationship. Yeah. And that they're like the things they're doing that make us sad as parents are developmentally normal. So Mm -hmm. like valuing their peers over family, um, isolating in their room a lot, wanting more privacy, shutting the door, even if they're not necessarily doing anything they shouldn't be doing. So allowing them that space um, and that independence will help them have that safe like launching pad because the whole purpose of your teen years is to because you know and they all think they're little adults right so to to let them practice those skills of being independent while they can't get in too much trouble like typically you're there to stop them from doing anything completely illegal and unsafe they can't go to big kid (laughs) jail yet like um and so really giving them that permission to explore and to learn about responsibility and friendships and all of those things in a in a safe way and they will Mm -hmm. respect that the more we try and control and keep our kids little the harder they push back absolutely yeah it makes me think of this conversation I've been having um, with a lot of kiddos around conflict resolution, especially in sibling sets, um, where we talk about leading, right? Because everyone, a lot of the, a lot of people are, are leaders and some people are followers. So we talk about um, one very important thing to know about leading in that. And in a family, as a parent, you're the leader, right? So as a leader, it is no longer your job to shine. It is your job to help the members of your team shine as bright as they can. And so I think about that in a parenting context, like it's no longer my time to shine. I don't always know what's best. I don't always know and assume what they're thinking, but how can I help my kiddo shine as much as they can and meet them where they're at? I love that. I think that's great. And that's such a great way to build that relationship piece as well, because you're truly honoring, like they're trying to figure out who they are as people, like what their interests are what they like and dislike and we're giving them the permission to do that with support yes and teens I feel like because I love teens I love them I love working with them (laughs) um I feel like it's something that we could go on about forever because there's even specific ways that you can introduce conversations or when I work with some people around parenting I talk about back doors there's a lot of back doors to be able to get in to talk and communicate with your kiddos mm-hmm. um, if you're still building that relationship. But we're out of time today. Woohoo! Woo! Okay, well, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Have a good week. All right, guys, it's time for our mom fails, which is my favorite part of the episode. If you're new here, a mom fail isn't necessarily us saying you are failing. It is the inevitably embarrassing moments that happen in motherhood. And if mom fails, don't smash perfection culture. I don't know what will. Okay.
first mom fail from our community. We pull these from Facebook. We also ask for them from Instagram and people send us emails at mindfulasamotherpod at gmail.com. So if you'd like yours included, go ahead and shoot us an email, a DM or a message. So on my son's 12th birthday, I thought it would be fun to implement the Mexican tradition of la mordida, basically smashing his face into the cake as he takes the first bite. Well, I smashed a little too hard and banged his forehead into the cake stand and gave him a big old bruise on his head inside. And tears. <laughs> Definitely cake smash stories if you got them. Okay, mom fail number two. I was an hour late picking up my 10-year-old from the birthday party today because I got stuck at work. Luckily, the birthday kid's parents were very understanding and stayed with him until I got there. It was, thankfully, at a park. <laughs> my mom fail. Yesterday, I had my kids clean their rooms, do all their chores, eat dinner, and do all their homework so they could earn time to at the pool. Well, we get dressed, covered in sunscreen, ready to go, very excited. They even packed all of their snack money to buy stuff at the, at the little snack shop. It's cash only. We rolled up floaties in tow, and guess what? The pool is closed because I forgot to read the schedule. There was no open swim. So yes, a lot of disappointment and a lot of, this is so unfair. Needless to say, I was definitely buying popsicles at the local grocery store. I headed to the nearest splash pad. <laughs> All right, mom failed. We got a puppy. The puppy pooped on the carpet. I grabbed the puppy and ran him outside. The three-year-old ran outside and made the puppy watch while he demonstrated how to poop in the yard classic. The poop stories I have are endless. For some reason, my kids think that pooping in the yard is the most normal thing you could do. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time. Hey, it's Paige. If you or someone you know is looking for therapeutic services, I'm accepting new clients in Idaho over telehealth or in person. So go ahead and check me out at www.parentingwithpage.com, skim my bio, and contact me via the contact form. Talk to you soon.